From deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke. Man, am I excited that you have taken the opportunity to download this show, stream it online, stream it on Facebook, stream it on YouTube, wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. We love you guys. I just can't say enough about you guys that listen to the show and uh, and message me on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you guys find me and uh, say good things. So I really appreciate that. That keeps us going strong here. So got some really good stuff for this show talking about things that you didn't know you could catch in the Gulf of Mexico. And I've got Chester Moore, our wildlife expert and editor-in-chief of Texas Fish and Game Magazine. Uh, editor-in-chief means that he is the top dog that decides what it goes into every issue. And uh, he designs the editorial calendar. He does all the website stuff when it comes to blog topics and all kinds of different um newsletter topics that kind of stuff that that goes in the newsletter and he's really just a fantastic guy he keeps on coming up with great ideas and i just love working with him so we're going to do a little interview together here coming up shortly in the meantime please if you've not done so subscribe and review this podcast get on to itunes or stitcher or, or wherever you found us even youtube and send us a, a five-star review that helps other people find the show and that helps us connect with other people as well that are looking for the texas outdoor nation or just a new podcast experience about hunting and fishing in texas and beyond and uh, it doesn't cost you anything to do that it doesn't cost you anything to get this show we have a new one every two weeks and um I just have a fantastic time doing this show. This is one of the things that just keeps me going every week that I do this, or every couple of weeks that I do this. It just It's a blast for me. It's a dream come true for me to be able to deliver this to you. So here's my interview with Mr. Chester Moore. Check it out, and here we go. Joining me on the phone, Mr. Chester Moore, Texas Fishing Game Editor-in-Chief. How are you doing today, Chester? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. It's always good to join you on the Best of the Outdoors podcast and talk all things outdoors in Texas and beyond. Yes, yeah, so one of the things you say on your radio show I listen to quite frequently is if you don't like the outdoors, you're weird. <laughs> I kind of wanted to open with that because I thought yeah, you that are. Was... If you don't, it's ahead. a fact. I mean, if you don't like the outdoors, I'm not even talking about if you like fish or hunt. I get if someone doesn't like that, but if you don't even if you don't like going out and hiking, and you don't like going out to the beach, or you don't like being in the great outdoors, you really need to check yourself. There's something wrong with you, or if you, maybe you somehow entered entered the matrix somewhere and you're sucked <laughs> into the computer hell of modern civilization so badly that you can't appreciate that God made a lot of really amazing stuff. And in the beginning, there was no silicone. That's right. In the beginning, there was no silicone. That's a good point. <laughs> That's great. But anyway, I just I wanted to have you back on to kind of continue our saltwater series as we've been doing this year so far. I've had Daryl Palmer on. I've had uh, from Double D Extreme Tackle. I've had you on and um, you know, you both have just been a wealth of knowledge and stuff that I didn't know about, um, about the outdoors and saltwater because I, that's not really my forte, but I'm learning as we go. And I know a lot of uh, folks that listen to the podcast uh, are into saltwater fishing. So, uh, tell us something about, uh, what you wanted to talk about today. Well, I thought it'd be fun to talk about stuff that lives in saltwater waters in Texas that people don't know lives in the saltwater. A lot of it you can catch. Some of it's just awesome to look at. But there's sure. a lot of stuff here that people don't realize is available. You know, that's even that's even really in our waters. and don't pay much attention to it. Oh, that's really cool. 
Uh, give me some examples, Chester. All right. So one of them is something that's got a fair amount of recognition now, but I still get a lot of emails and Facebook posts going, what the heck did I just catch? <laughs> Don't great. you love those? <laughs> no, they're great. They're great, man. Uh, it's the gray snapper known commonly as the mangrove snapper. Yes. Um, they're a, they're an inland um, dwelling species of snapper. It's also called it offshore as well. But they are, unlike a red snapper, they'll be found around boat docks and seagrass flats and all kind of stuff. And um, they have been caught all the way up here where I live in Sabine Lake. And they used to kind of be relegated to the lower coast as far as inland catching. And they are incredible eating fish. Um, they're a lot of fun to catch. And um, they are there are snapper in the bays you can catch. And there's a you know if I were to go try to catch some, I would go throw live shrimp around some of the docks and wrecks and stuff in Corpus Christi Bay, the Arandas Bay complex, some of that area. And you got a pretty good shot at catching a snapper. You don't have to go offshore and get beat up for it. Oh, that's good to know. Um, I, and I, th- I just want to make sure I've got this right. Mangrove snapper. I'm pretty sure I caught one of these off the coast of Bermuda. Would that be correct? They should be in Bermuda. Yeah. yeah. They, should, they should be out that far, too. They're, they're part of the Caribbean. They're in the Caribbean. So there you go. This is back in 2011, and I was fishing with a, with a fishing guide and his son. They both ran a guide business together out off the coast of Bermuda on the reefs. And I hooked up with one of these mangrove snapper, and... Um, I connected with it and I landed it and the, the, the guide and his son looked at each other like, what did this guy just do? And I was like, what's so amazing about this? And they said, normally people don't bring those in. Mo- normally people, they'll break off or they're not experienced enough to make that happen. And I'm like, well, I kind of, you know, puffed up my chest a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, that's just what... Mangroves don't get real big. It wasn't huge, but I mean, it was definitely a hard fighter. It's probably one of the hardest fighting fish that I, that I fought on that trip. So... Um, yeah. and there, there, there are a wide variety of different fish, but it was a decent size. It was well, there's size nothing. No, you were fishing at the Bermuda Triangle. You were in the Bermuda Triangle Correct. fishing. Don't tell them what you caught. <laughs> no, that could have been when you're in the Bermuda Triangle. Who knows what you drug out of the depth? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I just, they told me it was mangrove and I, I think it was mangrove snapper and it was just a fun fish. And I mean, I was kind of proud of myself that I landed that because they say most, most fishermen that fish with them don't. So um, that made me really happy that trip. So it's funny you mentioned that on the first one off the gate. You know, common in certain parts of the state and uh, appears other areas. Right. No, that's really cool. So what are some other ones, Chester? Well, another one, if, if anglers have never fished south of, let's say, Matagorda, Port okay. Aransas, maybe, okay. maybe even that far, snook. Oh, yeah, snook. Yeah, we had a story about that on fishgame.com, as a matter of fact, catching snook. Yeah, so Lenny Ruda wrote a cool story about snook, and snook um, are common around South Bay, which is right on the at the tip of Port Isabel, right. uh, low Laguna Madre, Brownsville Ship Channel. Um, all that area, but they are catching snook in parks and wildlife surveys and things as far north as Galveston Bay. Really? And uh, so anglers might have a shot at catching snook. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine a few years back, is Jeff Kaiser with the University of Texas Marine Science Institute, and he was telling me about a diver that he knew that was diving the Port A jetties and saw um some pretty big snook at the jetties down there, you know, so they're around, uh, there's the fat snook and we have the common snook and, um, I have never caught one of those boogers, 
Uh, it's on my definite list, um, and I really think that um, that's a great opportunity in Texas if someone wants to catch something different. Go down to South Texas and go snook fishing. Oh, how cool! And they can get pretty good size too, right? Now I don't have the info right in front of me. That's fine. I'm not in the right now, but the world record for snook uh, it might have been broken a couple of years back. But the, the, excuse me, the state record for Texas was bigger than the IGFA world record for a long time. <laughs> That's great. Everything's bigger caught, in Texas, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was caught like in the 30s. There's probably some nefarious story behind it. But, um, <laughs> but the, the state record for Snook was actually bigger than the IGFA world record. Wow. That's amazing. And you don't yep. remember how much, how big it was? You no, know, it, it was just steroid infested. The steroid, <laughs> right? That's hilarious! Wow. Yeah. So people don't realize that's right here in the great state of Texas. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So that's right down, right in the coastal area, and you don't have to go necessarily way offshore to get snook, right? No, you can catch you catch snook in the Seagrass Flats, the Brownsville Channel, okay, um, all those areas like that. I was fishing down at a Getaway Adventures Lodge a few times, and I never yep. caught one, I, but they would catch. Um, sometimes snook around the lights behind the dock at night. Oh, cool. No, that's great. So that's definitely in shore. That's really cool to know. The only big snook I've ever seen was a pretty good size. and probably a 10-pounder. Was uh, a few years back, went snorkeling with manatees in the Crystal River in Florida. And oh. at, the, at the boat dock, there was about a 10-pound snook. He was about, uh, I mean, he was literally, I could have I almost um, reached out and touched him. He was so close to the shore. And, uh I'm like, where is my rod and reel? <laughs> Why did I leave that at the shore, right, or on the boat? All things, yes. <laughs> That's quite important. And uh, what are some other thoughts that you had there as far as fish you don't commonly think of catching? Well, you know, one that um, we, it's in the magazine this month is uh, alligator garfish. And we're yes. getting, good, getting good email response on this. Alligator garfish are known to be a freshwater fish, but they also do really good in saltwater. And uh, Marcus Heflin, our uh, surfing with Santa cover boy a couple years back, yes, um, caught a big gar, like a five-footer in the McFadden surf. And uh, I put the word out in the June issue, and I've been getting emails and photos of, of, of gar caught in the surf in Texas. So if you're out shark fishing, and uh, you might get a gar instead of a shark, and uh, it's kind of a neat treat with something. And what got me interested in this, when I was a kid, I had a, a bunch of copies of Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. Right. And... My dad would buy these, and I would save up my coins and go buy magazines at the thrift store, like Texas Parks and Wildlife, National Geographic, Saltwater Sports, and all that stuff, right? Outdoor Life, Field and Stream, Sports and Field. And they had a Parks and Wildlife magazine. They had an article about Sea Rim State Park, which is, you know, just 30 miles south of me. Right. And, and it's uh, right on Sabine Pass down there in the surf. And it had, like, fishing maps. It had, like, hot areas that said, you know, it said, you know, bull redfish. And it had gar. Right. And I'm going in the surf. That was really weird. <laughs> For real. All my stuff fishing, and I don't do a whole lot, but I've fished the jetties around there a lot, and I never seen a gar. But it's funny because they catch gar about three miles up the channel, so I know they're around. But uh, you might catch an alligator garfish in the surf. So that's something that people just don't expect. Well, I wrote an article, and you and I could disagree about this because you're more of a wildlife expert than I am, but I wrote an article back in um, – 2014 it's one of the first articles i wrote for the magazine about big fish and um and uh and garfish and how gar ended up in like lakes like the lake livingston the trinity river so on and so forth and um what we found out was that it 
the theory that my bow fishing guide here, Marty McIntyre, has is that they went upstream from the coastal waters in the uh, in the years of you know in the years when they were impounding those lakes and they would go up river for spawning and they'd get trapped in those lakes when they got dammed. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely not, because okay. they're perfect. They're they're native to all freshwater systems from okay. the Midwest on down. So there were already gar in the Trinity River well before any of those lakes were impounded. Okay, but the question, why are they not in parts of central Texas like like where I'm at? Uh, because those are all man-made lakes that are like lower Colorado Authority lakes and that kind of stuff, or why? There's gar all over Choke Canyon. Okay, that's um, right. There's gar all over certain lakes. Um, some places, alligator gar have been wiped out. Right, okay. Uh, all right, that's good to know. Yeah, because of commercial fishing. Sure. And some places, gar don't do as good in certain water systems and other. But uh, the Red River, Trinity River, Sabine, Natchez, all those loaded with gar fish all the way up to Oklahoma. Right, right. So definitely freshwater lakes there. But saltwater, I have heard about people shooting black gar, bow fishing wise. And I just, I've got an article coming out in July for uh, coastal bow fishing. And I had mentioned gar fish as one of the, one of the target species for bow fishing as well. Yeah, you say black gar? Yeah, black gar. What's a what's a black gar? It's a gar that's black. You never seen one? Oh, okay. Like, like so, you're talking about a color variant? Yeah, color variant gar. There, okay. that's the thing I've not understood, and I'm I'm not an expert in in a lot of this stuff. But I mean, I've seen gar that are black. I've seen gar that are spotted. I've seen gar that are long nose, short nose, so on and so forth. But well, that's because there's an alligator gar, there's a long nose gar, there's a short nose gar, and there's a spotted spotted gar. gar. Okay. And if you go to Florida, there's a Florida gar. Uh, okay, sure, I'm with you. You got lots of different subspecies, and some of it just depending on terrain, habitat, water clarity. Like you find a, a flathead catfish. If you catch a flathead catfish in the Sabine River down here, he's going to be that typical marbled, um, uh, you know, color with the the dark brown and black mixed in. But if okay. you catch him in the clear waters of Central Texas, they're yellow. Okay, they're going to be different. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. I, here's the cool thing craziest thing there's a guy at a bow shop precision archery i don't know if it's still there but he shot a small orange gar really like goldfish Thunder orange or how yeah, yeah like goldfish orange like 25 <laughs> years ago that's great I and my memory made me say i think it was a long nose or a short nose gar i'm not sure which one it was small but it was an orange gar fish. goodness i didn't mean to derail the subject our garfish but i i love this i love this talk because no, gar just a, i mean they're prehistoric fish that the, every time i do one of my crosswater outfitters fishing trips on lake belton in central texas we always end up with a long nose or a short nose gar and i always go clean it you and i've talked about it on this podcast before eating oh, gar is really good it's fantastic it's meat. great meat and I, I, we, I grew up gar fishing, man. It's be, the one of the best. Yeah, I know. I mean, so it, the the texture is more like pork. It's not as uh, how do you say it? It's not as fishy as you normally would expect a fish. It's would like be. if you've eaten shark, the texture is exactly okay. like. Shark. All right, I didn't think about shark because I haven't eaten a lot of shark. But yeah, that's a good point. Um, so no, that's a good point. That's a good comparison. So anyway, but, uh, the, the people are fascinated with look, the kids, especially are fascinated because they've never seen anything like a garfish before. And it's just such a prehistoric fish that looks so different from anything else you'll find in, in the coastal waters or in freshwaters that it's just so fascinating. I mean, that's what the kids, I just love watching kids be fascinated with something like that's older, that's as old as the dinosaurs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me give a conservation thing here. Texas is one of the last states that has a strong alligator gar population. Um, and, you know, bow fishermen, shoot your legal one big gar and yes. don't, don't upgrade and keep shooting them and killing them because you're killing fish that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. old and right. 
So let the breeders breed and shoot what you need to eat and leave the rest alone. Yep, I've heard the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. No, I'm, I'm very big about that too because the problem is a lot of people will will shoot their one and then, you know, I've just I've seen pictures of, of old, old, old photos of, of guard just stacked up. In fact, my dad had a friend and that fished Choke Canyon commercially when it was yeah, still, you, a, uh, you know, and this is back in the 90s. And, you know, the, these are ancient fish, you know, and I mean, they're just, they were wiped out by a lot of degrees, you know, by commercial fishermen. And it's just kind of sad that that population, they, they're sold to restaurants from what I understand, Chester. Have you heard that as far as the commercial oh, yeah, fishery ab- goes? Absolutely. And sold, sold as what? Sold as what? White fish or something? They're not sold as gar. Uh, all, all kind of different stuff. Okay. You know? I was just curious. Um, so, but yeah, so gar are one of the interesting ones that you'll find sometimes in coastal systems and don't realize that they're actually there. That's great. Uh, if you're not used to it, some guy comes from, uh, you know, uh, Austin or San Angelo or somewhere and they go to down to the fish, the beach, think they're going to catch a black tip shark and they end up catching a gar. <laughs> you don't expect that. Still got to watch that mouth. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, kind of, kind of interesting, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff, you know, if you want to talk about the offshore realm of the Gulf of Mexico, sure. I mean, there's just. Um, it's kind of one of my big passions to write about is wildlife of the Gulf of Mexico because I call it the forgotten sea. Right. If you never see anything about the Gulf on Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, the Travel Channel, none of that stuff unless it's about the BP event, you know, the deep water horizon. Yeah, deep water horizon. There's a lot of amazing life out there. And uh, something that people don't realize is Texas has a fairly healthy billfish population. Really? Yeah. So. I've heard, I've seen you write about this before, but I never, I've always wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, so, sailfish in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about an incredible, incredible fish. Um, Talk about uh, one of the all-time, you know, classic species for sport fishing, and you can catch them right out of Texas. And one of the... One of the better places to cast them is right out of Port, Port A, out of Port Aransas. Offshore from Port yeah. A, yeah. Now, what's interesting, I was fishing with a guy about 15, 16 years ago out of the name Captain Tom White. And we had an incredible day offshore. I hooked up with a big hammerhead. We caught a bunch of nice snapper. I caught a, a wahoo that day. A, a guy caught a, a cuda, a barracuda. Wow. Um, but he was saying there have been times when the water was super salty and they had caught sailfish a half mile south of the Port Aransas jetties. Golly, that's pretty close in, right? Yeah, that's rare, but it happens. So you not only have, um, you know, sailfish, but you have blue marlin in the Gulf of Mexico. Really? In Texas. I mean, there's some big blue marlin caught in Texas. Because you see all the different, you know, sport fishing shows and stuff like that go down to off the coast of Florida, of course, and you know, being that Florida's a giant peninsula, you know, down into the into the waters of Florida, but you don't really see that much emphasis given to Texas on bill fishing adventures and stuff like that. But I certainly think that needs to be highlighted for sure. All fairness, one of the reasons is the fishing for that stuff is generally a lot better. In other uh, sure, sure it is. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying that. You know, we do have some beastly marlin and stuff out there, you know. And um, matter of fact, uh, a few years back, there was a 927-pounder caught in um, a tournament. So that's a blue marlin caught off the coast of Port Aransas. 920, and he said it was caught 130 miles offshore. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's a that's a hoss of a of a marlin. Wow, and incredible, you know, um, you know. So you have white marlin 
out there as well. Um, so really neat things. A friend of mine, Ryan Warhola, he caught probably 15 years ago as well in that time. Out of Sabine Pass, 55 miles, he caught about a 100-pound blue marlin, a small blue marlin out there. So they're not plentiful enough for you to go book an offshore fishing adventure for. Oh one, yeah, there are oh they are. That, okay, I didn't realize there were that many people that do that. Okay, but you're gonna pay some coins. Oh sure, sure. It's not cheap because to fish you offshore. You gotta go 100 something miles out, and, right? You know, stay overnight sometime, and all that kind of stuff. But there are people who do it, you know. And um, but people like if someone wanted to just say, hey, you know, I want to, I want to do like this amazing Texas fishing quest, right? Um. You could do stuff like, you know, I'm going to catch the, 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 all the billfish available in Texas. You right. know, I'm going to catch, you know, a, a snook in Texas. I'm Texas catch, slam, you know, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. you could do. It's not as good as the brown water slam that we talked about in the May issue. But, um, you know, with my grinnell and right. all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it, it would be a lot of fun. Oh, for sure, man. That's great. So yeah, I mean that's you don't really think of Texas having those kind of those kind of numbers as far as you know marlin and so on and so forth, billfish and that kind of stuff. But it just it, it again goes back to wildlife wise and aquatic life wise. You know we have one of the most diverse populations in our great state and on our coasts than just about anywhere else in the world, in my humble opinion. Now, there's no doubt we have an incredible diversity of wildlife in Texas, and I think I think there are a couple of reasons, and you're going to get me on a rant. Oh, boy. Um, Go ahead. That I've got your rant alert. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, that we don't you know, see as much about of it out there outside of Texas Fish and Game. That's why you need to go to fishgame.com and subscribe to our e-newsletter. Yes. And you need to subscribe to our magazine, check out the digital issue, because we're talking about stuff that no one else is talking about say the texas uh on land and sea and air all of the above when it comes to wildlife and fisheries in texas well before you get on your rant can i just say every podcast and you can ask my listeners this every podcast i plug the newsletters every single one because i know you work so hard to put those together but also they're fascinating content we have in every one of them well we tried to get stuff out there and one of the things is like the for the land part of it i think a big reason that there's not more done is almost everything in Texas is privately owned. Yes. True. Yes. So you got to pay to go anywhere, even to step on foot on a lot of land and go hiking. You know, you can't, you know, you got your, you got your national forests and parks and state parks and thank God for all that. So there's not a lot of people just getting out there in a lot of these wild lands and just checking out all the crazy stuff we got because it's blocked off. Right. You know, like the Trans Pecos, you have Davis mountain state park, you have uh, the Big Bend State Park and Big Bend National Wildlife Fair, a few things like that. Otherwise, that entire region is off limits. Sure, sure. So yeah. people can't get out there and know that there's free-ranging Aldad, that there are uh, desert bighorn sheep, you know, that are just all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of mountain lions and uh, pronghorn antelope, you know. And when it comes to offshore, I think the reason simply a lot of the sport fishing industry media is based in Florida. Sure, that was just that's what I was just saying, yeah. You know, so it's kind of dominated by that. And and to be fair, when it comes to the offshore end of billfish and tarpon and stuff like that, they got us big. They just got a bigger population. Yeah, that's true. No, that's a good point. But on inland fishing, and then that's a different story. Uh, yeah. I call it a draw. You know, right. sure. Uh, and um, so, but it, it, it's just a. Uh, it's just people's perception and we try to raise awareness to all this stuff you know oh sure absolutely and i was going to say back to your point on land we're around i want to say the statistics i've read and i've written written about this in one of my ebooks uh 97 privately owned does that sound about right to you that is the best what i've heard that same number yeah. and i think 
you factor in the national forest of East Texas. Yep. David Crockett uh, and, and Sam Houston. A couple other places. Right. That's about three percent. You know. Yep. Uh, in, in, in the in the state parks and things, so it's um you know that's that just changed. People don't get to come like they do in Colorado or somewhere and, and see our wildlife the way you do unless right. you pay. Unless you, you pay know? to play, or you go on a sightseeing tour in the Wyo Ranch, like like I know yeah. you've done some stuff like that, and or any yeah. of these other big you know King Ranches or anything like that, you know that have the sightseeing tours and stuff, which I think is just is cool to do, but it's not as easily accessible, which is one complaint I guess somebody could have about our state, which I certainly heard online before, you know. Well, so. you know, the hog issue right there. I mean, <laughs> I don't tell you how many people contacted us that want to come help us eliminate hogs and said, well, you get ready to eliminate your paycheck. That's right. <laughs> it's not cheap. Let's save that hog rent for a podcast down the road. All right, I've got a right. whole other hog rent building. So. I know, I know. We'll do that on the next one you and I are on. it. Go ahead yeah. with your rant, Chester, on the saltwater stuff. Forgive me. Well, I'm going to get back to, um, you know, the interesting things that we have in, in the coastal waters. People don't realize they can go catch and catch. You know, people don't realize in Texas offshore waters, a couple of decent spots catch wahoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. I've caught wahoo. I caught a wahoo about, not a real big one, probably 25, 30 pounds out of Port Aransas. There's some huge ones, and they, catch, they typically come in during the winter season and stuff like that, but they're around in the spring and, and, and summer as well, way offshore. And that's a world-class sport fish right here in Texas. I oh, mean, for it's sure. known, but I don't think people know the depth of how quality some of our tarpon fishing is. Yeah, you wrote about that in one of your articles about uh, when, when one of our old ad reps back in the day um, caught one, and y'all couldn't get it into the boat because it was um, it, it just fought so hard and uh, it got off. But y'all had hooked up one. Is that correct? Poor day, the poor day jetty. She yes. was only one. The, we were throwing out for thirty minutes, and she finally got one to blow up, and that was about it. <laughs> I bet that's exciting, that man. <laughs> and, you, I, I could see him. I saw this weird thing that almost looked like a. Uh, an eel on top of the water. I can see a few of them, and I'm like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Holy crap! That's the top, that's the top fin of a, of a tarpon." Wow! And then they came up, and you'd see them. They were down there, but they're a quality tarpon from High Island, which is between Galveston and um, Sabine Pass, all the way down the coast. Um, you know, got a lot of guys out of Galveston catch um, tarpon uh, during the July, August, into September. Um, uh, Port Mansfield, that area down there, there's quite a few tarpon caught. Uh, an incredible fish. That's actually on my list of stuff. I've hooked up with the tarpon one time, but um, uh, I'm going to do a tarpon and a billfish here soon. That's something I want to do. So if anybody out there wants to take Chester Moore, if you got a good tarpon secret spot, yes. take me. I want to go catch a big big tarpon. Uh, but um, uh, at the Galveston jetties, uh, you know, uh, Sabine jetties. So there's some surprises that anglers can catch out there. No, that's great. And I mean, that's the neat thing about the diversity in Texas is you sometimes never know what you're going to reel in. And uh, that's the one thing that uh, my son and wife want to go to Port A, uh, Port Aransas for the um, this summer, probably in August before school gets started and stuff. And, you know, well, Dad, what could we catch? And I'm just like, man, it's the sky's kind of the limit. You know, I mean, he wants to catch a shark and he wants to see a shark up close. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of possibilities for a lot of that stuff, isn't there? Absolutely, and, and the tip on sharks is put a chum slick out that people will think is the Deepwater Horizon oil slick. <laughs> That's a pretty big chum slick. <laughs> Dude, you haven't seen mine yet, man. <laughs> I'll never forget one time. Uh, uh, we went, there was a rig that was probably about two and a half miles southeast of Sabine Jetty. 
and it was known for its epic speckled trout fishing. Well, me and my cousin and my friend Bill Killian, I've written about, we used to do a lot of fishing together five or six years, for five or six years. And we went out to this rig, and a guy that we know named Joe Persson, he's called the Jetty Man, he was at the rig wiping up on the trout. Wow. And um, it was getting to the point where they were catching them just to catch them and release them. They were catching so many of them, you know? Right. And, uh, there was only one spot on that rig real good for it. Well, we were headed out shark fishing. We always kept our trout gear in case the water was clear enough to trout around some of those rigs. I said, come on, man, let us let us hook up that spot. Y'all been here all morning. You know, oh, yeah, we got a limit. You know, we're just catching a few, catch and release some pictures, and maybe we'll catch a few redfish. I said, you know, Joe, I, I could change the dynamic of this fishing spot real quick. <laughs> I bet you could. And I took, and I opened my chum bag. <laughs> Oh Lord! <laughs> and, and I, and I drip a little drizzle of chum in the water, and like twenty seconds later, a black tip shark's dorsal fin <laughs> comes between our our spot where he okay when I get the point. And um, <laughs> Joe moved off the spot. We we anchored up there, caught quite a few trout, and then um, we went to the the rig right next to it, not too far from it, and and tied up. And I had a chum slick that I was with binoculars seeing dorsal fins a half mile away. Golly. Yeah, and I'm like, so if you want to bring in sharks, let them know you're there. Yep. And the thing that's funny about that is that you won't just attract nearby sharks. You know, they, they get the word out pretty quick, right? Yeah, they got they get on their little they get on the little texting mechanism in the water. Exactly. Like, hey, <laughs> group text, man. There's some food, and then. You know, the thing about that, you bring in redfish, yep. you bring in stingrays, there's a, uh, just mackerel, Spanish mackerel, king mackerel, ling, all that stuff will come to chum, you know, so. Um, <laughs> You're a wild man, Jester, I gotta say. <laughs> it's natural and real, I live it. Do what? Say that again? I, I said I live it. I know you do. Um, that's the thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff out there, and it's something no one would go fishing for, maybe except me. Right. But um, I wrote an article called Texas Tentacles last year uh-huh. about octopus in the Gulf. And um, there was a, a fishing guide, and uh, Bill Shika, who mentioned in, this, in the 70s, he tied up to a rig out of, I believe it was four day. And he's fishing pretty far out, and there's a bunch of guys on the rig eating their lunch, and they're throwing the scraps in the water, watching the fish come up, eating stuff, you know. And he lowers his 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 line down, and he gets hung up, and he reels it up, and he reels in a mayonnaise jar, a gallon mayonnaise jar. Yes, I remember. And all the story. people on the on the rig are laughing, and some of them are saying, "Hey, man, you want some bread? To, you know, make a sandwich." And, <laughs> and what happened was. He took a hammer and lightly busted the jar and pulled out an octopus. The octopus <laughs> and went down in the mayonnaise jar. <laughs> he got stuck. Is that right? No, he just—he was probably living in that thing. Living in the mayonnaise jar. Oh, so he just like, you know, or, or like just said, "I'm gonna go in this little cubby hole and eat." So he grabbed the food <laughs> and went to the cubby hole. And so there's, you can catch octopus on the Texas Gulf Coast, which he, is amazing. He was taking a lunch break on his own, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think, I think in terms of the coastal outdoor media world, we've gone way too much into let's notch off that I caught this, and we need to get back a little bit more to Jacques Cousteau. Right. Uh, you know, there's so much incredible life and diversity out there, and I uh, realize how important that, that our resources are and that our, our forgotten sea, the Gulf of Mexico, has – octopus and moray eel that's something else that gets caught every once in a while moray eel you want to surprise you know go out fishing one of the rigs i think you're going to pull up a snapper and pull up an eight foot green 
boring. Right. They're out there, you know? No, that's, that's fascinating. And that's the one thing you've opened my eyes about, Chester, is just to be considerate of all the wildlife, not necessarily that you caught or killed something, but that you saw something that you've never seen before and that you've experienced something and, or maybe caught something you've never seen before. But it, the whole idea is that the experience is, is really what you bring home to the outdoor lifestyle. Is It's not just about going out there and, and mastering you know, wildlife. It's about you know, enjoying the creation, right? It is, man. God created a lot of amazing stuff. And if you think about it, if you go back to the boat dock and you caught a limited trout, there's a bragging, right? You know, people are excited. You share your excitement. Sure. But if you go back to the boat dock and maybe you caught your limited trout, but on that same day you hooked up with a tarpon or you saw a manatee down in Port Mansfield, the rest of the conversation has nothing to do with your fishing. It has to do with what you encounter. Right. If If you're at the deer camp, and you're on you're on the blind, and you saw a mountain lion. Yep. Nobody really cares about the big buck you saw all of a sudden. It's exciting that you saw this amazing predator, uh, or the growing number of people encountering black bears in, in the in the hill country in Trans Pecos. Right. So it's a matter of appreciating what we have out there because, and if for people who want to preserve the right to hunt and to a lesser extent the right to fish, which is also you know at some level under fire. Um, you need to voice the appreciation and get a deeper, deeper appreciation of uh, all of nature. Because if you don't get a, and you don't express that, all you put is you know headshots, and all you all you show is your prairie dog that's been blown in a hundred thousand pieces, right. and, and the deer whose neck you cut to bleed it out, or you know whatever. If that's all the general public ever sees. If that's all the general public ever knows right. of um, of wildlife uh, in terms of uh, you know what how we view it, man, we're gonna lose at the ballot box. Yeah, I you know? agree with that very much. And yeah, people have to be able to know that because we what do we tout? We're conservationists. Well, you know the bad thing is some of the hunting industry makes it seem like they go hunting for conservation purposes. Right. No, we go we go hunting because we enjoy hunting. Right. But the byproduct and the way you do it legally and within scientific methods is conservation and contributes to it. So, sure. uh, you know, but that that doesn't that rings really hollow if you, um, you know, you went deer hunting and you then you then you show the picture on Facebook of the skunk you road killed purposely on the way out of the blind. Right. You know, way out of the camp. You know, there's a way you gotta you gotta project this and. And, and get back to um, the roots of enjoying the entire outdoors situation. Well, and that's one thing I've always been. I'm glad you brought this up because, number one, our kids are always watching. And number two, the non-hunting and fishing public is always watching somewhere. Yeah. They're yep. watching in media, they're watching on, you know, in real life, they're watching in on social media, so on and so forth. And so, I mean, it's just about putting the best foot forward out there because certainly our numbers are dwelling in a lot of cases where, where kids are finding other things to do instead of the outdoors. And that concerns me with the future of our sport. But I mean, it's just about putting your best foot forward. I guess that's my big point here. Yeah, it is, man. And it's, um, and most people do a great job and I'll give this fishermen do a better job than hunters. Uh, fishermen are a lot more tuned in with that and, and appreciating the ecosystem hunters are getting there you know right. uh the waterfowl community is great at it you know uh the turkey people are great at it yep uh you know but some of the other hunting sector needs to work on it a little bit you know yeah but uh but the, there's a lot of great things out there 
to experience. And, you know, going back to the original topic of who to thunk, you can go to Texas and catch a marlin or there's a snapper in the bay. And that just shows the, the incredible biodiversity that we have out there. And you mentioned your son wanted to go down to Port A, man. I remember when I was a kid, we went down there to Corpus and we went to Port A and all that while we were down there. And to me, that was like going to the Caribbean yeah. or Hawaii. Because yep. I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford that. That was a big deal to us. And I got to see dolphins, and I got to see, um, you know, we got to see, you know, dudes catching sharks on piers, and we caught some fish. And I saw, found sand dollars in South Padre on the beach, and I saw clear blue water, and it stirred my soul, and it made me appreciate things. And I, I think back to the times I appreciate my dad sitting me on a bucket on the side of the road, and we were happy to catch anything but hardheads. My dad hated hardheads. <laughs> He's was, not alone. <laughs> I, was, I was brought up with one disappreciation of nature. Hardheads. Uh, everybody on this podcast listening to my saltwater will appreciate that one. Uh, and so we'll end with this funny little thought for the, on the fishing part of this sure. anyway. You can ask the questions you have. A guy comes up to me a few years back at one of my seminars and tells me how he appreciates the fact that I talk about sheep's head and black drum and mangrove snapper and that, that fishing is not a, you know, a lot of ego contest. It should be about enjoyment, you know? And he said, I had a, I was on a pier. He said, I was, I got to laugh and tell you this. I was on a pier and, um, I go up and this guy's kind of walking out with an ice chest and he just beamed. I can't believe we caught all these. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey buddy, what'd you catch? And he opens it up and he said, man, we caught about a hundred catfish and <laughs> And the entire ice chest was loaded with hard heads. With hard heads. <laughs> Good luck cleaning those. <laughs> and um, and he and he got all those hard heads. And he was a, he was a northern fellow. He didn't and, know any uh, better. Yeah, had no idea. And I was like, you better watch out for this because there's actually poison on those spino bacteria, you know. And um, so I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, I've I've eaten hard head. It tastes good. Yeah. It's just the problem is you got to catch the giant ones to eat them, you know. Right, the and, and, ones. But it, even the hard head can be appreciated by the purest on the Texas coast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I mean, I'll never forget the first time I caught one of those. I was like, "Good, we can keep it." You know, it's a catfish. And my father-in-law's like, "No, that's not a regular catfish. That may look like a channel or a blue cat, but it's not." And I'm just like, and I tried to stick a knife in one one time, and I was like, "This has got to be the hardest fish I've ever cleaned." I don't know if you ever tried to clean one before. Well, I've cleaned them because we did a thing with some uh, That's scouts. Right. One time. I remember some that. One time and some yeah. guys grilled them. Guys with Legacy Outfitters grilled them. And uh, it tastes good. It's just you got to catch those big, the huge big ones. ones. Yeah. And uh, I don't like messing with them. I've been stuck by one before. And oh. it was literally the worst pain I've ever felt. It's awful. Life. It's awful. Yeah. And, that, that uh, it was brutal, man. I was about to cry out there. <laughs> but um, it was at the jetties. It was, it was rough. My calf swole up double size. You know? <laughs> That's bad. God, it, it was horrible. Oh but you know, you got you got that. You think about you know the the old uh, you know the, the hardhead being such a villainized fish, but you have the gaff top, which tastes really good. Yes. But the problem is a lot of bay systems in Texas, several Galvas in, in different areas. There's a there's a warning because of PCBs. Yeah. You know, uh, toxin in them. But more than that, you're talking about a fish. That hasn't that you see slime come up the line on the line. Ca- <laughs> That's for sure. So I had and I wrote about this probably one of my first few years of writing for Texas Fishing Game when I was saltwater editor. I said we need to start the Gulf Coast Slime Masters Association. <laughs> you talked about that on the last show. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, you know, the slime. I that. you know, you weigh the slime, man. 
So, <sighs> no, but if you go in Texas, man, you can catch a gar and surf possibly. You might catch an, an octopus in a mayonnaise jar. But then again, you might you might go out there and catch a you know a, a sailfish on a weed line or around one of those big floating rigs, or you might hang into a, a snook down in South Texas. And um, there's there's never an end to what the excitement and thrills of what you can catch here on the Texas coast. And I tell people, man, don't buy into the hype. Don't let the don't let the naysayers and idiots and and little ninnies on the on the Facebook groups. Um, shoot you down because of what you enjoy fishing. Right. You know, um, you know the fact is, and cat, whether you whether it's a hard head or you you're spoiled, you gotta go catch a billfish. Right. Enjoy it, relish the opportunity because a day in the outdoors in Texas, especially. It's always to be celebrated. Absolutely. I agree. And I mean, I, I think it's weird. I mean, a lot of people look at me funny, but I enjoy catching little piggy perks or, or whatever, you know, uh, croakers, you know, well, croakers just, are great to eat by the way. Yeah. I, I've never eaten one, but I mean, I have fun just catching those off the, off the jetties, you know, and I'm yeah, just, croakers I, are great. get a croaker. Here's a trick. You catch a croaker. You have a big rod ready. You put a wide gap hook through his lip, keep him alive <laughs> out there. That's a guaranteed bull drum or sheep, a bull red or sheep's head. I mean, uh, bull, bull red or, Stingray. Stingray, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. No, that's good. And, I mean, it's just a simple pursuit sometimes. It doesn't have to be the biggest or the baddest or the best. You know, it's just it's just getting out there and enjoying the outdoors. That's my point, I guess. Well, you know, I've been to the mountain. I've been I've been, I've been, been throwing topwaters in South America at Peacock Bass. You know, I've been down in Mexico and caught, you know, 300 bass in three days and, and uh, up to nine and a half pounds. Wow. You know, I've and caught Wells catfish. I've uh, I've been in caught big rainbow trout up in uh, in the in the Sierra Nevadas and big salmon and thirteen pound brown trout on Lake Ontario and smallmouth in the in the in the Finger Lakes and uh, you know I, I've been th- all throughout the, the the Gulf Coast catching giant redfish and big speckled trout. Of course, you know flounder is my has been my thing for years. But the day that I Get tired of seeing a simple little red, white, and blue bobber. Yep. Go, go underwater. The day I get tired of that, whether it's a, a channel cat I'm catching or a piggy perch, I need to quit. Yep. Because I have made it something it shouldn't be. And uh, so celebrate the cork going under, the float going under. Yeah. Celebrate the blow up. Yep. Celebrate the rod bending over and celebrate the cool stuff you see on the forgotten sea of the Gulf of Mexico and in the coastal base systems of Texas, and your life will be enriched. I love it. Thanks so much for joining us, Chester. Right, thanks, Dustin. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chester Moore, KingdomZoo.com. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. He's up to amazing things. We didn't talk about it on this interview, but he, uh, he's he got a great ministry thing going on. A very good Christian guy, uh, God-fearing guy. And, you know, he just has a fantastic heart for the outdoors, conservation, wildlife. Um, not so much you know, in your face hunting and fishing like a lot of editors in chief would be, but he's, he's really got a great heart and, um, just a fantastic guy to interview and, and just so knowledgeable about wildlife stuff because he studied it for so long and that's kind of been his world. So it's just great to talk to him, um, and do that. So anyway, lots of fun things going on with the podcast. Also, we're back to two, every two weeks on this show. Also, I wanted to tell you to please make sure, as I said I would in the interview, uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, subscribe to 
to the podcast. Uh, check out fishgame.com. You can do both there. Subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast player, such as uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, new one that I've been using is Anchor. Uh, Anchor is a podcasting app. You can even start your own podcast on it or, or get podcasts downloaded through iTunes, and uh, that's a great one. I was just interviewed. I was going to tell you this, too, because this has been a couple of weeks ago now when the last show aired. I was just interviewed on um, Fish on Ted's podcast about outfitters and guides and what to look for and those kind of things like I talked about in the last show, but more towards the guide audience and towards the outfitter audience that listens to that particular show, so it's kind of a different kind of podcast, but I talked about adding value everywhere you go and all the stuff that I talk about all the time when it comes to being successful in this industry. So you can check that out at Fish on Ted's podcast. That's Fish on Ted. Just look his show up or you can find him on Anchor, um, which is a podcasting app, and uh, you can listen to my interview on there. I also have the interview posted under podcast appearances at Dustin'sProjects.com if you want to go there and check that out. There is all kinds of content there, such as articles I've written, videos I've made, uh, podcasts that I've done, past podcasts. You can actually search the whole podcast library on my page uh, that has shows. And I typically title these shows with the, instead of doing a number like some podcasts do or um, just a general subject uh, that some shows do, I like to title mine with the content that you'll receive in the show. That's why my titles are a little bit longer. And I got that idea from the Lone Star Outdoor show um, because uh, Cable Smith does such a fine job at that show and i like to have him on the podcast pretty soon i met him at the nra show so stay tuned to that one but anyway awesome interviews coming up i've just got some great ideas for this show where we're going next i can't thank you guys so much again for watching reading and listening and also like i said earlier in the in the in this segment here uh please be sure to subscribe to the newsletters we have tactical and practical tuesday wildlife wednesday and the thursday texas state of the outdoor nation newsletter those are free to sign up for it's like getting a magazine mini magazine magazine in your mailbox and blog form every two weeks uh, every week actually you get the, those every week and then also we turn around and re- relate all those stories that are written on that particular um uh, newsletter to the fishgame.com website so everything that you see will be there we actually have a sponsor of one of those facebook posts that we're doing the wagner ranch w-a-g-g-o-n-e-r wagner ranch they're booking hunts right now in uh for whitetail bucks in the 2018 season and they're going to be running with us two facebook posts in june and uh, maybe some other stuff in the magazine coming up but i've just got a fantastic relationship with them they've got a great ranch for whitetail hunting really affordable uh management hunts if you're looking to take uh, a management buck or anything like that i wanted to definitely plug uh going and checking them out and um you can see that on our facebook page and on our website they have a story on deer management and on uh, growing big deer and uh, that's that's sponsored by them and that's also on our facebook page at uh, on facebook just search for texas fishing game and you'll see that post there so anyway thank you guys again for watching reading and listening have an awesome day in the outdoors we'll see you next time